So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. Also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. In this next installment of the mini-series that began in the upper room last night, it now, this series begins to play more like an episode of CSI. When you consider that the Journal of American Medical Association carried out one of the most complete medical reviews of Christ's crucifixion now decades ago, ever published in a medical journal. In it, the authors detailed the pain endured by the weight of the body hanging from the nails, the damage of the medial nerves and tear at the tarsals, the respiratory torture, the cramping, the effusions, and they concluded death by crucifixion was in every sense of the word excruciating. Literally, that word means out of the cross. 
And so we can't help but wonder then, why the cross? I mean, if, if Jesus is a good God, why allow this evil upon himself? If Jesus is God, then why not just get rid of evil all together right now? But as others have noted, if we're honest, if God were to eradicate evil in the world like he did in the days of Noah, when we look at our own hearts, we would realize quickly that you and I would also be swept away. And so Jesus instead does something different. He seeks to eradicate evil to be sure, but he does it in a way that brings us to himself and to the Father. As the scholars at the Bible Project put it, Jesus let evil exhaust its power on him using its only real weapon, death. And that death, as we'll soon learn, could not finally contain him. And he did it in front of everyone. He was laid bare before his friends, before his family, before his enemies that would scoff him on that Good Friday. But also laid bare before history. As we heard in tonight's reading, Pilate, the governor of the region, who would have made a trip from Caesarea Maritime up in the north to the southern part there in the city of Jerusalem at the time of Passover. Why? Because many taxes were being collected. And Pilate, who was present and a witness, and who had the authority to issue this death warrant, Some wondered, did this Pilate even exist? Was he even there at the time that Jesus was? These questions persisted until 1961, when a stone archaeologists found, now a replica of which is displayed there in Caesarea Maritime, where, as one article put it, Pilate's name now is set in stone. His name and the timing confirmed that indeed he was present. Testified by history, there is for this our person of interest now, in fact, a body, at least until there wasn't three days later. Jesus died. Jesus died to accomplish what we cannot. For in the days of old, thousands would bring their tributes, sacrifices to the temples, exchanging their time, their talents, their treasures for meaning longed for transcendence. Now, you and I think we've grown past that until we consider the temples that you, 
you know we still attend. Now, it might be easier for us to articulate the broken temples of things like alcoholism or pornography or greed that even now social scientists agree are harmful. Or the identities that we make up for ourselves made in our own image instead of the image of God. Or the good things that we replace. The very temple, the very tabernacle of the Lord Jesus who became flesh and dwelt among us became the the temple, the tabernacle among us. We replace all of that. As executive consultant Mary Bell says that, for example, achievement has become the new alcohol of our time. She went on to say that achievement, addiction is no different than alcoholism. And every addict knows that once you have that addiction, it is never enough. And so instead of running to the paths of our own destruction like Judas did last night, we are invited to run to the promise set before us by Christ Jesus our Lord. And as the Apostle Paul will write, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Foolishness because we want to go to the temples of our own making. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Listen, friends, don't miss this. A Jesus without the cross may fool you. Whole denominations in recent years have tried to soothe the shock of it all. That belief, however, will pave your path to heartache, and to hell. Tonight, we are invited on a path that Jesus paved. Not this imminent frame as philosopher Charles Taylor will call it in the culture that we live in who believes we don't even need a God. We don't need a cross. When we trivialize this or ignore it or call it by another name, then we, in effect, say to Jesus, I don't need you. So either we reject the cross we want, the one of our own achievement and our own works, or we follow the path that Jesus has given us. N.T. Wright tells the story in a Lenten devotional some years ago about three young boys who uh, thought they'd have a little bit of fun with their archbishop. And as he recalls, these boys said, you know, let's, in confession, come up with the most outrageous sins possible. By the third Confessor, the third boy, the archbishop being wise, figured out what was going on. And he told that third boy to do some penance, to stand before a picture 
of Christ on the cross and say aloud, you did that for me and I don't care much about it. Those words barely came out of his mouth before the tears began to flow. Friends, tonight, as the Gospel of John points out that the one who created us also came and dwelt among us, tabernacled, became that tent of meeting that God traveled with his people after saving them in the first Passover by fire and by cloud, but now he comes in flesh. It gets personal. And we hear it powerfully by Jesus in his own words on the cross. Jesus uses a word in Greek to say in English, it is finished or accomplished. A word every Christian should reflect on, not only on this night, but throughout the year, to telestai. Many have noted it's a word archaeologists have found on documents showing the payment of a bill. And so you might even translate it as paid in full. He completes what we cannot. His achievement is ever greater than ours. God provides the lamb that we could never afford. And he all does it for the sake of love. Or as Martin Luther would call it, the great exchange. We give him our sin and he pours out his heart for you and me. C.S. Lewis points out, it doesn't seem as though God loses anything in creating us, but he loses everything in redeeming us. And so tonight I invite you to listen to those words of Jesus. Listen to what the sound of love sounds like. Many beautiful sounds from this world that give us life, that give us a heartbeat. A romantic walk along a shore. The intimacy of walking with one we love. A jewelry box being unwrapped. A sign of that beautiful covenant that brings a wedding song before us. Or the deep heart cry that sounds like this. But even greater love than that we hear tonight. What does love sound like? An angry mob. A beating by Roman soldiers. mother crying 
yes, indeed, a hammer, some nails, a savior. Oh! So with his heart cry, he breathes a final breath. These, these are the sounds of love. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. There is no greater love there are many sounds of love but only one is eternal only one finally defeats sin and death ultimate love gets found in the sounds of the love that we hear on the cross of Christ revealed before our eyes in history before Pilate Jesus takes no shortcuts tonight No detours. God provides the lamb. And yes, I know. Life is full of questions. Questions that are answered when we listen to those words of Jesus, the sound of love on the cross. Questions like, does God even care about what's right or wrong with this world? Listen and look. To the cross. Does God even care about my heartache? Listen to the sound and look to the cross. Does God, who created heaven and earth, care about the longing of our hearts? Look to the cross. Does God really care about sin? Sin that separates us from God. Look and listen to the cross. This person of interest whom we've been following these Lenten weeks hasn't just said he loves us. He shows it with his action in excruciating detail as the medical journals will report corroborated by opposing government officials like Pilate and echoed in the ears on our ears tonight and the sounds of love with his own words, it is accomplished, it is finished. He goes there like a good shepherd to lead us, sacrificing for us. Yes, evil has exhausted its ultimate power, death. But as we will so soon clearly see, it will not stand a chance against this temple who he tells us three days later will be rebuilt. This is the sound of love. Jesus has accomplished it. And tonight I invite you to follow the path set before us by Christ our Lord. Not one of your making or mine, but of Jesus who calls us to follow him, who says to you and to me this night, it's accomplished. We dare not seek to accomplish it ourselves. 
He says, it's paid in full. It is finished. Amen.